0: hello everybody and welcome to the crypto hipster podcast this is the crypto hipster jamil hassan and it's been a couple weeks since i've had uh, a podcast and uh i enjoyed the break and now i'm back at it and i have an amazing guest um i interview you know founders thought leaders entrepreneurs executives all over the world and today i have like i said an amazing guest uh, julian rodriguez the founder of momento nft Julian, welcome.
1: Hey, Jamel. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for thank you for breaking my uh, my uh, drought. This is great. So, um, bear markets do crazy things. But um, so, my first question is to to kick things off is ask you what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. I, I, so I would definitely say so. Uh, I've been in crypto for a really long time. Um, so I guess I started my crypto journey about 2012 and, uh, with Bitcoin. And uh, in 2013, I ended up uh, working with Vitalik Buterin directly, actually. So back then, he was the co-founder of the Bitcoin magazine. And uh, I worked for him there. And, uh, you know, I was a senior in college. I believe he was a sophomore. Uh, But, you know, he was, uh, I think that that's why he became who he is today. I mean, he just had so many insights in all the projects that were happening early on. And uh, we released the um, Ethereum white paper as a six-page spread in the Bitcoin magazine in 2014. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was his his magnum opus, right? Um, It was, at the time, it was super... Uh, I would say revolutionary in terms of the only thing that really existed was Bitcoin, right? There were were maybe two two other sort of projects that were trying to get off, you you know, like grow, which was kind of like Litecoin, which we knew was just a copy of Bitcoin. And then this idea of MasterCoin. And so Vitalik wrapped sort of all the other sort of smaller projects, uh, colored coins, um, counterparty, into this idea of like an OS of blockchain. And uh, so, yeah, being in the middle of all of that, uh, you know, was uh, definitely changed the way that I saw technology or its use, right? Uh, but I didn't jump right into crypto after that. I think in 2014, New York City, so I, I'm in New York, uh, New York City became a very dangerous place for crypto and crypto ideas. Uh, ben Losky passed the Bit license. And so it was really hard for startups or anyone trying to make a business out of crypto or blockchain to get started, particularly in New York City. So uh, I looked towards Silicon Valley and uh, I just got into traditional, right, uh, Silicon Valley startups, nothing to do with crypto. Uh, And I founded my first company in 2016. And um, yeah, I mean, I cut my teeth there as an entrepreneur and, um, you know, learned how to manage a, a balance sheet. And hire right and make sort of all the mistakes that i think all entrepreneurs should make right or have to make and um yeah i mean i think it you know in 2020 it just became obvious that uh people were finally interested in digital ownership right they were spending more time online and sort of now it was like what what will they do with these sort of increasingly online lives and um that's where the idea for uh Momentum nft came
0: great so actually i have a couple couple follow-ups from that first uh question is you said that the mistakes that entrepreneurs must make i feel like i made a million of them uh what what do you consider the ones that we have to we must make
1: so i think the mistakes you must make are really finding a a co-founder so i don't believe in uh solo founders i i don't think that that i don't think it makes sense i don't think it's it's healthy for you as an entrepreneur uh and for the company right um i think that you really really have to figure out who you can work with what type of person you can work with and that you know i mean the, the the payback there to be able to just You know share share the burden share the vision and share the gains with just at least one other person i think is uh right you'll learn more about yourself in that process right um and again i mean right just being able to pick a filter and have good people around you i think it, it just benefits right um so i would say that right i i think um you know in my last startup um It was someone who I I believed would would have been perfect, and we were childhood friends, right? So there's no reason why that should have gone wrong. But then you began to see different pressures. I don't think it was anything necessarily our clash of personalities, but the real-world pressure of starting a business, right? The real-world pressure of having competition, of running out of money, of trying to figure things out, right? Um, I think it really does show you who you are and the strengths and weaknesses that you need moving forward. Right, so like, I feel like now I'm prepared for that situation if it ever happens again, right? And and I know how to contextualize it and and really think it through. Um, You know, I I understand now how there are a lot of reports that being an entrepreneur is psychologically or mentally, emotionally difficult. And um, I can see how if you were not prepared for that situation, it could get ugly, right? And so now I'm just thankful for that opportunity uh, to have that failure uh, to be able to, again to, to put into, into proper context. I think you know the other stuff is uh, the other mistakes is, is also hiring right like everybody who hires isn't going to be a, a perfect fit uh, for what you're doing uh, or for you right or for your team or the maybe the culture that you're building and so I think um, you know picking up experienced junior you know uh, people overseas you know just just hiring and bringing people in and, and, and speaking about the vision uh the the more you do that the better you get at it right it's just kind of like one of those things uh and then i think i think running out of money is is a pretty good lesson uh right like you know because like w- once you do that especially after like let's say you have customers you have traction and you just can't get it to work i think that that's something that you're just like oh man i'm never going down that road again right like uh i think i think you 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 now know how much it stings and you in that's just not a territory you're even going to get close to right so um you know and, and being able to look back and say oh you know we we dropped the ball here you know oh man i could have done this i could have done that i think definitely informs you uh, and makes you you know it just hardens you right it's 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 i don't want to use the war or soldier analogy right but like you know a, a soldier that goes on a second or third fourth deployment i mean that guy's you know things are blowing up in the background and you know it's 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 just whatever you know so i think it's definitely that effect and um yeah i think right mistakes are good i mean again if i, I would i would suppose that if you're not in, having mistakes if you're not encountering mistakes you're probably not actually running a business you're probably just like on some kind of side project that's on like autopilot right like you're, you're leaving something on the table uh because someone else is getting the gains you're you're you're, you're yeah you you're probably sort of on autopilot and you're probably leaving 80 percent revenue on the table to some other so someone else some other partner right uh or 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 competitor Uh, that, that that's what i would say
0: thank you that's really insightful i appreciate it um and then i just um i was a digital sponsor this year for the litecoin summit and you said litecoin was just a copy back then of bitcoin it's grown obviously over the years. Would you consider it just to be a copy or would you consider it to be uh, also a payment of future?
1: Well, so, uh, it, copy in terms of, right, I mean, they came out, they used the SHA-256, right? Uh, it was very, very early, uh, one of the, I guess, first altcoins. Uh, so I mean, in copy in terms of its usability, right? So it being able to be used as a payment yeah of course right i mean that that's what it came out to do you know first and foremost uh i think um you know lee his his whole thing was uh not really i mean there wasn't really it wasn't like uh for just for financial gain right or personal financial gain that was very clear from the beginning i think he wanted to make something that was a little more accessible right because Um, the idea was that like, there was no leadership at Bitcoin in the beginning. You really know what, you know, what was happening or, or, or where it was going, who was controlling it. And I think today we can sort of see that, like, you know, I mean, like we're a a decade in, uh, over a decade in, and it's like, we know no one or right. It's a high probability that no one's just going to come out of the shadows and say, ha ha, right. Like pull the strings on everyone. Right. But back then that wasn't really the case right We didn't really know what we were what we were involved in or how big it could get. And I think um the idea toward about Litecoin was making it something easier, more accessible, right? and, and sort of lower that uh, right that learning curve. And so you know it was it, you know, because he was in Silicon Valley, right? He was a Silicon Valley engineer, uh, right. And he's very credible person, very tr- transparent, very, you know, clear person um but yeah I mean you know in in terms of blockchain um they are all definitely I think the majority of them uh and I I mean the majority of the of the 2000 that exist now um valid payment systems but Litecoin particularly because of how long it's been around and how much money is actually in Litecoin would definitely be like if you're not considering Bitcoin Litecoin or ethereum right uh you you're, you're i think you're probably barking up the wrong tree in terms of payments right yeah i agree
0: um so i don't want this to be a payment podcast i want this to be a creator economy podcast and and because i know you're really into you know memento nft you're founder of that and so first question i'm going to ask you is to get into that area is what is this creator creator economy we all hear about you know, uh, who's winning and who's not and where are we headed and where should we be headed?
1: Sure. So the creative economy really is kind of like the new Hollywood, right? So the idea is like back in the 40s, 50s, right, uh, TV networks kind of just controlled what everyone was able to see on their TVs. And all of that was being shot in New York and then in the 60s, 70s, moved to Los Angeles, Right, and even today, uh, most of what happens in Los Angeles is for big screen. Right, it's not small screen. Right, it's not it's not TV. And so, you know, there were a handful of networks: NBC, right, ABC, right, and they staffed, hired, wrote all the messaging, and had then had you know brought in advertisers, and it is sort of you know what we know of today. Uh, but the stars of entertainment and of media pretty much just come out of those two spheres, New York City, Los Angeles, right? And so what happened with the internet was it now allowed people to turn the camera on themselves and share with whoever they want as many times as they want, wherever they want, right? And that was a really a revolution, uh, right? That it just had never been possible. And as our cameras, you know, our phone cameras get better and better and better, we see, new types of, um, right, application software available for you to, again, have that high quality, you know, post production, right? I mean, it's just incredible things that we're doing now with filters and editing and things like that. And so what you what you saw was a younger and younger demographic deciding that, hey, I'm really good at entertaining. I'm either funny or interesting, or hey, these are these cool ideas, and I want to put them in a creative way and give them out to the world and see who likes it. And so, right, you, you know, YouTube, YouTube has been huge. I, I think I think YouTube is definitely the king of uh, of the creator economy. But every single platform has its nuances, right, and like its weaknesses, right. So, for example, one of the weaknesses YouTube is its long form oriented, right. And so a lot of people might not have the content or the brand for long form, right? And traditionally on YouTube, it take it has taken about three years to build your audience, right? And so that that that's very difficult to sort of get things going, right? And and it, and it seems more of like okay, well we have to grind and then get lucky, right? Where we've seen short form video platforms, uh, specifically today, TikTok is like. A, it's a viral kingmaker, right? Like every minute, right? Like if you have a profile on TikTok, you are guaranteed to go viral at least once in your lifetime, right? So um, it, it, it's, it's a different way that that they do things, but you know, we saw a lot of this come from Vine, right? And so the, the Vine stars, Vine I, I believe came out in about 2012 uh, and it was a project that was launched from inside of Twitter and, um, it, you know, there were a lot of people on it. There were a lot of people on it. And today, some of the biggest influencers in the creator economy actually came from Vine, uh, right? Logan Paul, uh, right? It, it, th- those are all Vine people. And so they've changed the way that people are thinking about careers, right? So over the past three years, if you ask the average American, uh, you know, person uh, under a uh, college age, what they want to be when they grow up, the number one answer was, uh, YouTube star right like it was an astronaut wasn't fire a firefighter wasn't lawyer doctor it was you know YouTube creator and at first I remember when I heard that stat right a couple of years ago I thought man they just want to be popular right like that's so silly right they just want to be popular but no what they're really talking about is like it's the equivalent of saying I want to be a movie star right that that's really what's going on and so the, the 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 creator economy is about how you can monetize your brand around the things that you can sort of give out to the world right again whether that's entertainment or interesting or, or creative uh content right uh, it's really just um something has to fill the void right Every, everybody has a camera everybody has incredible storage capacity right in their pockets right? We are in the age of high-speed internet. Something has to fill the void of media and entertainment and content, and that is the creator economy. A
0: big part of this new creator economy is NFTs, right? So um, what, are, what are these NFTs from your perspective, and how can people start to make them uh, part of their everyday life?
1: Yeah, so... That's right. That's that's the interesting part. So like, where, where's all this going, right? Like, so we're sort of beyond, you know, what we call Web Two, right? Where it's Web Two has just allowed people to create a profile and post content, right? They represent themselves through a, a pseudo avatar, and uh, they post the content, right? Traditionally, what Web Two platforms have done is they've monetized that attention that you create. Right. So they run ads against your fan base, against your likes, against your views. Right. And your audience is now, you know, I don't know, watching an ad for detergent, right, right before you come on and, and talk about, right, global history or, or, or you do a choreographed dance. Right. It, 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 it's a mix match. Uh, and it doesn't really incentivize creators to continue to be creative on brand. And so what we're seeing now is the transition into, uh, 2.5, and ultimately, where we want to take it fully into Web3, which Web3 is all about ownership. Right. And so, when you own something, you can monetize something because it's yours. Right. We do this in the real world all the time. Right. You own things, you can buy and sell them if you want because it's yours. Right. And so, the but what we believe about when we went to NFT is that content creators should be able to monetize their content directly. Right. It's not about running ads it's about getting out to your community that you've already built that you've already fostered or that you know is there and telling them hey right this is how much i think uh this piece of content is worth and then we give them a tool set to attach other things right just not digital collectibles but you know hey maybe join a live stream you know with me maybe get some uh merch right maybe come and meet me right we're sort of right like all of that has been absent from web2 Right. Web 2 has really been edited and polished pictures uh, or videos uh, that are right here, you know here today, gone tomorrow. There's no real attachment, right? Where before, if you think about like the 80s and 90s, there were fan clubs, 1900 numbers, right the, the, the sort of B star, A star, you know superstar conventions. they seem to kind of be coming back because people want those experiences right and that has been largely absent from the internet so we're giving creators an opportunity to monetize their content right which again we've seen the phenomena of patreon only fans with gifting and tipping right um we're bringing that together with the in real life uh experiences right that again just haven't haven't been on the internet at all um yeah
0: so your average person is not necessarily a content creator right they might have a a, a talent that is creative but they haven't been a content creator so how can they you know join the creator economy with these through these nfts and how can they get involved
1: yeah so we uh so we're a curated platform we give out blue check marks right um but essentially we don't intend to replace web2 we are what we believe is the most powerful tool for the content creator. So I guess the the, the flow or the idea there would be build up your community organically, right? Because this is the best way to do it. And so you can get on a platform like TikTok or Instagram, build up your followership, have that content, right? Everybody's got to put in work, right? Nothing is going to be, snap your fingers, I'm rich tomorrow, right? So you put in the work in Web2. And you know, sure, I guess you know those businesses make money off running ads, right? But the minute that you feel like, wow, I hit my stride here, um, right? I- I've got 100,000, I don't know, 200,000 followers, right? On sort of multiple platforms. Then I would suggest you come over and make NFTs, right? Because now you have an audience, you have super fans, you have fans that wanna consume uh, your content, and want to support you financially, right? Like that—that's just a reality, right? Like that's what fans do, right? I'm—I'm I'm a huge Mets fan. I spend an inordinate amount of money every season to watch them lose, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I keep doing that, <laughs> and so I—you know—I think that that's that—that's what that's what fans do, right? And so um, the idea there is, right? You—you you then uh, come with us, right? You—you you set up your profile. And we help you figure out how to monetize your audience.
0: I'm a, uh, I'm a Phillies fan. <laughs> so hopefully we can win. But yeah. I had, jet, I had before Crypto Winner, the first Crypto Winner, I had Jet season tickets and PSL for a number of years. And then Crypto Winner hit. And then I no longer had that PSL. Um, right. So, right. yeah, <laughs> right. So um how can we, you know, this has been a it has been a buzzword. Um, you know, and an article came out today, the Silicon Valley executives don't believe in it. But, you know, they're 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 across the world, they're building this this metaverse that's more than just a buzzword, it's a buzzword here. But buzzword, it's not a buzzword in in, in Asia. It's actually something. So how can we leverage NFTs in the real world and then um also in the metaverse
1: yeah so i guess i want to i want to i want to mention something that uh just came to mind when when you said this so i think that blockchain and crypto is a very western idea right and so a lot of the implementations you know free open transparent i mean we we're pushing the borders even of western laws and regulation right we see that every day so when you take those ideas and you you know put them over into the eastern world um that have very uh borderline authoritarian regimes right um you see the friction immediately right it is a huge contrast and a huge sticking point for the especially the younger population to gravitate to right i mean there are real world reasons why they would want to build metaverses and use blockchains right i mean a lot of the younger generation uses vpn as a default most people in the us don't even know what a vpn actually is right so like that, that that's where you begin to see sort of the difference right and so yeah i would totally expect uh people uh, in china or southeast asia to take this stuff to a, a different level because it's not just a, a speculative interesting new idea it's not just an innovation it's something that they actually really need right um so yeah i mean it's, you know the thing with metaverse is uh, or the metaverse uh, so I particularly don't think there's going to be one metaverse I don't think there's going to be one clear winner it's not like that the 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 movie right Re- ready player one uh, right it's not going to be like that I mean a company like that would literally take over the world right they would be they would be a new government they would have to have an army to protect the their servers with actual guns and stuff because like that would revolutionize society uh and maybe not necessarily for the the best right for you know for 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 the better. Um, so what I think we're gonna see is uh, siloed multiverses that create interesting experiences that have partnerships with content creators, uh, you know, with different types of creators. And then what we might see is nfts used as interoperable devices, right, or property amongst all blockchains. It has to be something tying them together, right? But like, you know, look, at the end of the day human civilization is not good at this grandiose one united idea anyway right it's been like eight thousand years we haven't figured it out right like you know the european union is like really fractured right like we give the u.s canada latin america right nothing that we do is like one monolithic thing and so i don't think that the metaverse is going to be one monolithic thing uh but i think that there's going to be clear ways that we can all work together uh and that's why we decided to really just empower content creators i think the metaverse we as a a business aren't really uh ready for that um but we have some ideas of how we can help the metaverse uh be a place that's inclusive that everyone can participate in so i want
0: to I have another question that follows up from there, but I want to backpack, back Yeah, I want to backpack. I want to, <laughs> I want to backpack across Asia. Um, I want to backtrack. Um, you made a distinction that I hadn't heard anybody else ever make, and it is, you know, you didn't define Web 2 and Web 3. You said Web 2.5, right? Yeah. So what is this Web 2.5 and what's where are we at right now? and how do we get the half out of there and go to 3 what like what's your what's your take
1: yeah so web 2.5 uh, we're definitely here right so web 2.5 are uh platforms like uh, patreon only fans that are really geared towards you get to subscribe to your content creator right so it's not a direct monetization necessarily based on content it's more of like a support membership Right. And so on some other platforms, even YouTube, before they uh, sort of copied short form video from TikTok, uh, was really all about uh, tipping. They experimented with tipping and gifting. Right. So this was stuff that YouTube never encouraged. Twitter never encouraged. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. uh, Facebook never encouraged. Twitter never encouraged. Right. And so that's where you can see the break uh, really sort of came from. And so, what web three is, right? We're taking it a step further, where it's really ownership over the content itself, pricing of the content itself. right? Where we hope to go is really cre- you know creating content as an asset class, but where where that content could be uh, priced, bought, sold, and borrowed against. right? If these moments really have social currency, they're going to be no different than a stock or right some equity and and real estate. Uh, that's where we we. Ultimately, want this to go, and Gen Z seems game for it. They, they that makes total sense to them, uh, right? And so uh, that that's where I think that's where I think uh, Web three is. But yeah, Web two is uh, pretty much here, right? Uh, it's Web two is really, if you had to define it, it's everything you can't do on Facebook, right? Because <laughs> Facebook was definitely obsessed with keeping it. You know, I'm just gonna run ads against your attention, right? Um, and so everything else that you can do, yeah, even Cameo, right? Cameo, you literally pay people uh, for uh, requests, right? Uh, Twitch, we're starting to see that you know move towards uh, making money, generating money in the live stream, right? Where the content creator, what they had to do in Web2 was really just use those numbers and go try to cut a side deal with a brand separately off platform, right? That, that's the only way they're really monetizing. They're, they're going up to like a fashion brand or something saying, hey, look, I've got, you know, uh, 2 million followers on Instagram. Can you please pay me? And then it's a negotiation. There's contracts and, you know, like, but it had nothing to do with Facebook, right? Nothing to do with Instagram. And so that, 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 that's a very, uh, that's a non, that, that's not scalable. Uh, and it's a very usury type relationship. Uh, so, right, the platform's are moving a, a, away from that. But we believe that there's still a little more that could be done. And that's where we uh, bring in Web3.
0: And that that brings me into my next question, because you've been talking about ownership and social currency and community. And how can we use these NFTs to build our communities and get that ownership of what we create? Because, you know, I mean, some people are able to do it right, right now, but you know, in the decentralized world, we should all be able to do it. So how do we do it?
1: Yeah, so ownership is the strongest incentive for community building, right? Like if people don't feel like they own a piece of something, they don't really care about that thing, right? It's it's a total different level. Uh, and so that's why, I was, that's why I was mentioning, the subscription model is not enough, right? On OnlyFans, for example, you see a lot of churn, right? Uh, people will uh, sign up for one month, they get the entire catalog, right? If it, if you've been on the platform for two years, well now they see two years of content. They can spend one day, you know, right-clicking and saving, and they forgot about you, right? Like, they don't put in an auto-renewal, they move on to the next creator. That's not a situation we, we, we want to create because we don't believe there's real value there. Uh, but when you make a purchase decision, right, for content, and you're able to buy multiple pieces of content, it's just a better exchange for time and value creation, right? The time that the content creators spent on that one piece of content, they know how much they want back for it, right? They know how many people they want to own it, right? And so it, it's, just, it's just a totally different metric um, that we believe, again, incentivizes not only the creator to make better quality content and get it out, but for the fans and the followers to, you know, collect and invest as well in that content creation. So you know we you know we're also we'll also be launching a token uh, next year to incentivize even more the way that you build your community in Web three, right? So you can imagine uh, everything from uh, so we want to allow the creator to recruit members in their community uh, for growth, right? Hey, you know, um, and we saw a very uh, popular controversial uh, influencer. Uh, actually do that in about six months now uh this guy uh, Andrew Tate uh which you know I, I don't agree with pretty much anything he says but we've all seen him right and a lot of people are like wow how did he do this all he did was recruit members in his community to pretend they were him right they, they're using his brand and proliferating that right and so that's something that for whatever reason it's something so simple for whatever reason no one on the internet has, has done before right and so the algorithms don't have a like uh an answer for that right so that's why they try to ban him widespread but they banned his profile he doesn't do anything on his profile right he employed his community to do this for him and so um right i i think that that's oh man that's that that's like a 101 strategy from now on for content creators going forward right and so um we're going to e- empower the ability to do uh, things like that to, again, to employ your community. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw all of those things uh, in your pocket. So we're going to see how, we're going to see how this generation uh, makes the internet a little funner, right? Cause I, I think a lot of these mega platforms, these mega web two platforms have really made the internet not as fun. Uh, and I really, to me, it's really like, in terms of what the internet was like early 2000s, right? It was really green pastures, right? And and there there are ways to handle, I think, you know, abusive content, negative content, right? And, and conversation, but I don't think it's the way that has been handled so far. To me, the way things have been handled so far is more akin to censorship and authoritarianism than it is right, Just right like it, it it's weird it's weird and and i don't believe that that's the foundation of what the internet was because me and you can remember what the internet was like when it started right uh and i would hate for the internet to not be like that uh anymore right um this idea that uh right y- you can uh get sort of in trouble, or you know, t- take the wrong corner on the internet, uh, to me is, is, is ludicrous. I think there's certain things that the you know, administrators of a platform can do, uh, to not but not be so heavy handed that people feel like they can't even express themselves, right? And I see a lot of that on like Reddit, for example. I absolutely hate Reddit. Um, Reddit took over from what traditional uh bb forums were right Uh, the grayscale bulletin board forums and before that irc chat probably right but irc chat was definitely like the wild wild west (laughs) but you know and and i think today really what you see on on reddit for example is um whoever yeah i guess put up the, the 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 R channel or whoever is the moderator only what they want to be posted is what's seen Right. So if you, you know, it's supposed to be a place where people can go to get information and participate in conversation. But if you're just saying something that the moderator does not like, no one sees it. Right. And so I just I don't think that that is what the Internet was designed for. Uh, And I don't think it helps humanity in general uh, in what it means to right because I look to the Internet to know to learn about the world around me. Right, and um, if now what I'm seeing is a sort of you know whitewash carbon copy of the real world, uh, that's just not good enough for me. Sorry, that want... was a, was a, a little rant about.
0: No, <laughs> you, know you brought and, uh... up something. You brought up something that I wasn't going to ask you about, but I am because I've seen some really harsh critics about crypto on Reddit recently. And when you peel back the onion these people have never worked in their life you know but they're bashing they're bashing bitcoin or bashing web3 and they have no experience working whatsoever and that's the content they're allowing how do you how do you create a level playing field because like critics like teddy roosevelt said the critic doesn't count so how do you those people number one they don't count and number two how do you get a level playing field
1: no, so so that's what I'm saying, right? I think it's, we need real people with real voices on the internet, right? What you're mentioning right now is just a, a small channel of like what you said, like probably people who've never worked or had experience doing sort of anything, but they are now the curators and moderators of the entire internet conversation, right? So it's just, it's it's not productive. Um, and again, I mean, right, if you had the ability to hear directly Right? That's why sort of on Reddit, the only things that are kind of good are those AMAs, right? Because that is a real person that is talking and in real time and discussing, right, or representing himself, right? So Reddit is particularly designed to, like, never allow that at full scale, uh, which is why I don't feel like Reddit is a good platform, uh, but we have the opportunity to do that. Right, you now see uh, the person represented in a profile. You know we verified him, and you can see content coming from him. And we do short form video, so it's video content, right? It's, you know, it's this person talking about these things. And there, I think is just a better, uh, you know, form of conversation, right? Uh, Twitter was able to get through to it, even though it only uses text, right? They have blue check marks. You kind of know who they are. There's a lot of transparency, right? Um, So you know it's not it's not yeah I I only said that because we do video but it's not just like it's 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 video is the solution because Twitter is able to still get that message out it just seems to be something about Reddit that is just unsettling uh, when it comes to uh, honestly free speech and 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 I want to say free speech because it's not even free speech in the traditional way that we think about it right they're not really like encroaching in in that way uh, politically right speaking. But it is harming the general communication of people, especially if they're trying to discover an idea. And I think that that's what happens when you build something that's too much of a monolith, right? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I am very, uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not a Reddit supporter.
0: <laughs> Understood. And then the other question. I interviewed, I interviewed a. Um, Someone a couple of weeks ago, and this was the first time that I actually paid attention to this term, although I probably had heard it before is churn and you mentioned you said churn what's what's churn what's the problem with it and how do we move forward in the Web three economy with churn.
1: So churn is the basic concept that, um, for example, let's say you have users right uh, if your users don't come back they've churned, Right, so uh, it's pretty much yeah it's pretty much that idea so when i mentioned it uh i'm really talking about subscribers uh to a content creator right well they'll be a subscriber for one month but they'll leave and they never come back so the rate of how many people are doing that is is the churn rate um and again on only fans particularly it is extremely high um right so i don't think even for those content creators it might not be psychologically the best experience either right they put so much effort uh you know maybe they have one thing that uh they promoted or that got them out there everyone floods in for the one month and then the next month regardless of what they do right they're they're down like 80 percent, right i'm pretty sure that if you put all your heart and soul in those 30 days or leading up to those 30 days into your content into your personal brand That would be devastating, right? Like it it would make it seem like your audience, not just the public, but your direct audience is telling you that you suck. And that is not the case at all. Uh, What they're doing is they're trying to work around the financial right hooks of a monthly subscription, right? It's just a monthly subscription is difficult to manage, right? It's not something you kind of want to be in, right? Especially if you have a, a, a way to opt out, right? And so um, I think humans are much more transactional. I think we've inter- psychologically internalized for thousands of years, you know, you want this, give me this and I'll give you this. <laughs> right? I, I think I, I, th- I think we know how to process that a little better. Um, and so, you know, um, th- yeah, that, that's that, that's what we 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 want to put out there.
0: Awesome. So. I know you're in miami and uh, it's, it's uh, about 10 40 so I get a warm outside and you have a co- and you have a conference to attend and I want to thank you very much for your time today this has been a wonderful conversation and I enjoy speaking with you and I have one last question sure. um, and and it's this is how can people find out more information about you about memento nft how can they get involved how can they you know how can they do any of that
1: yeah, guys, please uh, download the app. We're on Apple and Android. Uh, we're live. Uh, please download the app. It's Momento space NFT. Uh, you can visit our website, Momento, M-O-M-E-N-T-O, NFT.com. Uh, sign up to our Discord if you want to sort of chat with us and the rest of the team. Um, we've got a pretty big Discord. Uh, and yeah, come and check it out. See, I mean, you know, we have, a, we have about 2,500 content creators right now. Um, everything from digital artists to athletes to influencers. Uh, there's a lot of people having a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to sort of see a little more of where the co- uh, creator economy is going, you know, please. I mean, we we, we try to make it uh, as open as possible, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, please download the app, sign up as a user. You can start making uh, your content uh, right now. So, uh, and and me, I mean, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, a couple users have found me on LinkedIn to suggest uh, features that they want to see, right? So I, I, my inbox is always open. Um, and, yeah, please, any ideas, any additional ideas, anything that you think that we should build to help content creators, let us know. I mean, we we love that kind of stuff, uh, right? Because if it, if it makes sense to you, um, I guarantee you there's probably a couple thousand people who want that as well. So, yeah, please, you know, please download the app and, and reach out
0: awesome thank you very much for your time today
1: thank you so much this is great